Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Attack Podcast World Cup um, edition, episode 17. Only got um, 17, I think it is. Only got six more, which is insane to think about. And yeah, it's just insane to think about. So, that, so I think I've said that for the last couple of episodes, but yeah, it's pretty mental to think that we're getting towards the back end of the tournament when I can literally remember. Literally remember Senegal um, or Ecuador Qatar. Sorry, starting literally. It feels like yesterday, but um, I guess time flies when you're having fun, as the saying goes. So um, yeah, there you go. It, it has been a pretty good tournament so far. Um, of course, we've it's been well documented on this on this podcast. We've had some upsets. We've had some storylines come out of it, which is good. Um, but as we get into the business end of things, um, yeah, we're getting yeah we're getting into the business end of things now, I should say, and um, it's going to get interesting from here on, no doubt. If it wasn't already interesting already, so um yeah, I th- I yeah I thank you all for the support. I think that's something which I am been most grateful and most um I would say shocked, but um or shocked maybe a little bit of an accurate um, description, but I, I'm very grateful regardless of all the support on on every episode. It does mean the world to me um yeah it yeah, really it truly does so thank you all very much for the likes for the for the shares for the comments for all the interactions and so once again means the absolute world and um yeah i think in anything else hope everyone's well hope everyone's day as well as always i feel like that's a good it's a good way to um to start the podcast i'm hoping everyone's well um yeah i hope everyone's well i i'm a bit bit of a bit i want to say flat but suffering a little suffering a little bit of burnout maybe i should say um from this if i'm entirely if i'm going to be brutally honest but um no i once i start once i start speaking once i start recording once i start looking at the games again and and etc etc i um i get into that mood i get into that mood where i can't where i don't shut up um that's why i do this podcast but um yeah we're gonna battle through we're gonna battle through we're gonna get this done i've made a i've made a pact to myself and i made a promise that i won't miss any episodes just throughout the podcast as well but in this world cup especially i have i have not missed the I haven't missed a schedule podcast since the start of this, um, since the start of this, um, of this, what's it called, of this, of this podcast, I should say, haven't missed, haven't missed an episode, um, the times are varied throughout, especially this World Cup, but that's out of my control, um, but, no, yeah, it's, it's been good. I've been, I've maintained a relatively, um, c- c- consistent schedule, which is something which, if you know me, is something, is very unlike me, but, um, that's something I'm evolving every day, so, which is good, but let's move on and let's stop me rambling and let's crack on to, let's crack on to the games that occurred. Of course, it was Asia representing, um, over the, over the, over the morning or, or across this morning, I should say, Australian time, um, it was, of course, Japan versus Croatia, and South Korea versus Japan uh, versus Brazil, I should say. Um, of course, it, it's quite funny how both how both Asian sides who have some who actually, who have some history to say the least um, between each other, how they were playing on the same day, and I think from an external perspective, whilst also being in whilst also supporting Asian football, um, I wanted of course I wanted both to win. Um, it would be great to see both win. Um, so yeah, like I said, being a, from the external perspective, but still looking out through the lens of, through the Asian football lens, um, yeah, ideally I wanted both sides to win. But if you'd ask, if you'd ask each respective side, if the other one, if you, if they wanted the other one to win, I don't think you get the same response as what I just gave. But there you go. It is 
what it is. Okay, let's crack on to the games. And once again, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be because I really stretched it out last time, yesterday. And there's only two games to speak about. Um, two games to speak about, only two games to give predictions on, and because I don't give any reasoning with my predictions, that obviously doesn't take into account anything. So this podcast will probably stretch on to 35 minutes, probably. I think that's going to be the length of the, of the rest of the podcast, um, of, the, of the rest of the episodes. This podcast, just due to the fact, uh, oh yeah, because of the fact that there's only two games to speak about, and of course when we get to the semifinals, there's only going to be one game to speak about, I think. Or even even the quarters, I think, they're, they're on four separate days. If I'm not mistaken, or the quarters on um on two days over, okay yeah. So so the quarters I still have two games to speak about, um, the quarters I still have two games to speak about. But the semi final, I I only have one game to speak about until we go to the final where I only have one game to speak about as well. And I'm not doing a podcast for the third place playoff game because if I, I don't think I'll get, I'm even going to watch that. It's at two a.m. So oh the finals at two a.m. as well. Oh, that's great. That's actually really good. So happy the finals at two a.m. not six. Anyways, let's 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 move on. Um, are we done? Yeah, okay. Have we done anything else in terms of rambling before we get onto the games? Oh yeah, Ronaldo. Just, I don't know if I'll speak about him. If I get to the end of this podcast and I want to speak about him, I will. But you've seen the news. You've been on Twitter or any social media. So, anyway, let's crack on. Let's go to the first game. Japan Croatia. Now, this of course is the first game that has gone all the way to. The penalty shootout to decide the outcome of the game. Of course, we don't know what happened. It finished one all after 90 minutes. And despite... It finished one all after 90 minutes. And um, it went all the way to the penalties. To the penalties. To penalty shootouts. And it and penalty shootouts decided what... Um, or decided the fate of both sides. Um, it was, of course, a pretty... Pretty even-ish game. Both sides really were kind of on the... Both had chances throughout the game. Both really... Both sides had um, kind of a dominant... I wouldn't say dominant period in the game, but both sides definitely had a period of the game where they were on top mostly. I think Japan, if you look at it, it was probably once they scored that goal, they really tried to kick on with things and really tried to get that second before halftime. Um, um, and then it was... Or even before their goal, actually, it did come off the back of some pretty good dominance from 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 Japan across that maybe five minutes or so, maybe even ten um, before their goal, and they really carried on with that. So that was probably their most dominant period. And then when we look at Croatia; it was probably probably when they scored the goal that period, maybe 10, 10 minutes before and five minutes after, where they were looking to press. They they found that breakthrough, and then they were looking to go again. Um, they were looking to to go again in terms of try trying to get that try to um try to get that second goal after they scored um so yeah the, both sides had dominant periods in the game both sides had periods in the game where they could have made a two or three um and, and really killed the game but they didn't both sides were slightly i wouldn't say profligate in front of goal or wasteful but um both sides definitely could have um both sides definitely could have had a lot more um yeah both sides definitely could have had a lot more of the could, could have had a lot more um, chances, especially towards the back end of the game, where both both sides were tiring. Um, yeah, so it, it is one of those it is one of those things where you look at it from that perspective and you say, okay, maybe a draw was the fair result. Of course, it was a um, a goal from who scored it? Dazin Maeda, 
Maeda, who has been very good this tournament as well for Japan, just ever so quietly. Um, his goal, of course, was given uh, onside after their... Uh, I think it was given onside as well on the on the pitch, but um, they just reviewed it and up, upheld the decision. And then, of course, on the 56th minute, uh, 55th minute, I should say, Ivan Perisic scored a fucking bullet header. It was a fantastic finish. Um, yeah, world-class setup from Perisic, and he's someone who's always been a constant threat um, for this Croatian side. Has been, of course, was in 2018. Played a fantastic World Cup there. Scored in the final, if if um if memory serves. So we all know that he's very good on the world stage, a very good performer on the international stage. And um, just this game was once again another game that proved it. It was a fantastic header, um, a very good, fantastic header, a very good um, very good goal to score in in a in a time which they needed it as well. The game, of course, saw out the 90 minutes and they saw out the extra time. Oh, apologies. Saw out the extra time. Um, and it went all the way to penalties where it was a disaster class of a penalty shootout if you're a Japanese supporter. I think, realistically, all three pens that missed, of course, it was Matoma or Minamino, um, Matoma and Yoshida who missed. Um, Asana was the one in between all of those that scored. The three penalty misses were very disappointing, very poor, very poor shots, very poor shots at goal. Um, realistically, they should be doing a lot better. Um, they should be doing a lot better um, f- from from eleven meters, from twelve yards, and if it, 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 it go back, it goes back to that thing of, do you think they practiced practice them? Based on what they looked like, they looked hesitant. They looked uh, like they were scared. I don't think, I don't think I don't think any of the saves were partic- were particularly good. Um, I just thought the saves were just needed to be made, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all they were disappointing penalties. Of course, Vlasic, Brozovic, and Pas Pas Pasalic. Pasalic. Why can't I say his name? As someone who, as someone who has a pretty good dialect in terms of being able to pronounce European names. You'd think I'd like you think I'd understand how to pronounce Palisic, but pa- Pasalic. I'm not I can't even be bothered. Um Livaya as well was the was the man who missed for um for for Croatia of course hit the upright no hit the post I should say. Um which I think is the upright. Um hit the woodwork anyway. So um yeah of course it was nil or one nil nil one nil two one two one two one two one three, um. So yeah, it was pretty disappointing penalty shootout. Oh, I I went into it. Uh, if I could speak, I went into it. Um, hoping that, um, hoping that we could see maybe like a seven six eight eight seven type type operation. Um, I I, I prefer I prefer longer penalty shootouts. There they're quite entertaining, but um. Yeah, this was a pretty. I guess his. I guess his penalty shot was entertaining as well, just because of the the madness of it. Of course, it was the first game that went into extra time, let alone penalty. So, uh, all the games so far, all, all the games that are around sixteen have gone pretty much as people would expect. All the underdogs have. All, all the favourites have won. All the favourites have won in in ninety minutes, um, and all the favourites have been very very composed in their performances maybe Bayern Croatia who had a little bit of a scare but Japan are a very good side and if we take a look at how both sides lined up was of course was a um, Japan did go to that back three um, Japan did go to that back three that has served them so well 
um, that have served, that have served them so well, especially in second half second halves of games. Of course, with Nagatomo being on that right hand side, um, on that left hand side, I should say, on that um, that left hand side midfield, that can kind of come back into a three, uh, into a four, allowing you one year Ito who played on that right hand side of the midfield, playing that right wing back role, um, to to get up the pitch a little bit more and to occupy a little bit more advanced positions. But apart from that, I think Endo was absolutely fantastic. I think I thought Watura Endo was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I just thought he was world class. Just thought he was world class, and he's a player which I flagged pre-tournament. Um, who who was going to be Japan's key man? Um, if he if he played well, then Japan played well, and he played well again. Um, this morning against Croatia, he was exceptional. Um, just shuttling between the lines. I don't know what his stats were for the game, but he had two big chances created. Um, seven, six of seven ground duels won, two tackles, three clearances. Um. Like yeah, we just we just really really good. A shot on target, um, eighty eight percent accurate passes, four key passes as well. So he was he was a defensive maestro that also that also dictated tempo and was able to act as a very good attacking outlet for um or a creative outlet I should say for for Japan, which is something that um they have lacked in terms of having like a real playmaker. They do in terms of what I mean by that. Maybe they don't like playmakers, but their system. Isn't suited to isn't suited to having playmakers. Isn't suited to dominating the ball and trying to find that pass. It is very high tempo, high energy, counter attacking style football. And I think that goes to the stats as well. Um, obviously, Croatia had a lot more. had had more of the ball. Um, had more of the ball. Had had many more passes as well. So, um, Japan were looking to. I wouldn't say hit on the counter attack a lot, but especially if you especially in comparison to their game against Spain and Germany. Oh, but. Apologies, up. Especially in comparison to the games against Spain and Germany, um, they were looking to maybe dominate the ball a little bit more than what they normally would. However, they did look to isolate, isolate areas, um, isolate areas of spacing behind the Croatian defense and really occupy or really try to exploit those spaces, especially on the counter attack, using pace with Kamada, um, Doan, Yanyo Ito as well, um, and then off the bench as well. Off the bench, I brought on Minamino, they brought on Asano, Matoma as well. So, um, yeah, like. Like it, it, it is, it is a um, it was a clearly defined way of playing football for for Japan, and that's something that they've that they've played throughout the tournament. This high energy counter attacking, high tempo style of football, which has worked for them, obviously worked against Spain, worked against Germany, and it nearly worked against Croatia. So, they they can hold their heads up high. They were they were outstanding throughout this tournament, um, barring that one little mishap against Croatia against Costa Rica, which um. Realistically, if you think about it, they should have won that game, and if they did win that game, they would have finished their group on nine points, which is um just absolutely crack to think about. But um maybe maybe finishing top of that group was a little bit of a curse. Of course, Spain who finished second will versus Morocco, um will versus Morocco tomorrow morning, and obviously you'd like to think Croatia were a little bit of a harder side than Morocco. However, Morocco did finish top of their group, so. Um, who who knows? Maybe maybe I'll come here tomorrow when Morocco have knocked off Spain, and um, who knows? Who knows what could happen? But when we look at it from a Croatia perspective, I think I think their their game is kind of very dependent on. I wouldn't say very dependent, but it is very much dictated, and their performance is very much dictated by um, that midfield three. Of course, Brozovic, Kovacic, and Modric, all the itches. Um, how many itches? Are, how many itches? So you have Livakovic. Juranovic, Lovren, who is in an itch, and Gvardiold, who is in an itch. Um, Barasic, Kovacic, Brozovic, Modric, Kamaric, Pekovic, Petkovic, and, and Perisic off the bench. Any more itches? You had Orsic, you had Vlasic, you had Pasalic, pa- pa- Pasalic. Um, but apart from that, you had Maya, um, Livaya, and Budimir. 
There you go. But you had, yeah, I just, I love the, I don't know. As, as, I find it funny, I know. It's probably, probably a little bit racist. Oh, I wouldn't say racist. Maybe, maybe some um, stereotyping, maybe, but I just, I, I, I like it. I, I find it quite amusing. And it's very, it's very satisfying to say Perisic, Livakovic. I know Livakovic is, is with a hard C, I think. Um, no, with CH. I think, anyway, who knows? Um, but anyway, well, I, was, I completely lost track of thought. Um, the midfield three, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that midfield three is, is their engine. Um, you you see some sides who have a... who You see sides who have a... Who, are, who use their midfield in different ways. Um, teams, maybe if you try and look at it from club football, a team that uses their midfield very differently to what some other midfield... To what some other teams use their midfield for, you could look at Liverpool. Um, Liverpool use their midfield to be very industrious, very hardworking, very workmanlike, just getting the job done. Whereas Croatia, um, of course, different different comparison international to club, but I'm just using it um, to try and compare it if I could, if in in my best way, in the best way possible, I should say. Um, Croatia's midfield is very technically, very technical, very much the very much the part of their team which they need to get right. If if you can get on top of that Croatian midfield, you really stop all supply to their front line, and subsequently you really stop all protection for their back line as well. Because while Modric and Kovacic aren't very good defensively, and while Brozovic, while being a while being a very good number six, isn't necessarily a kind of holding midfielder he like he's a more of a playmaking midfielder what that midfield allows is, is that it keeps possession like i don't know how many passes um so it's like yeah you had you had Kovacic, Kovacic who had 71 touches Brozovic who had 108 who had 148 143 touches and Modric who had 89 touches right so um so when you look at that, when you look at that, you can see just how much they like to get on the ball, just how much they like to control the tempo, and what that and what that allows is that when they get when they do get on the ball, I mean if I can bring up if I can bring up accurate passes, yeah. So you had Modric, Kovacic, and Brozovic, all all in the top seven um, of all in the top seven of key, of passes of successful passes just throughout the game. So what that what that means is when you look at that midfield, obviously. Despite not being very good defensively, despite not having like a true number six, like a I don't know, like a Casemiro or someone like that, what it what it does defensively that other midfields don't is that it just keeps the ball. It just keeps the ball. The best way of defense is to attack. And if I think Pep Guardiola might have said something along these lines is, if we have the ball, you can't score. So realistically, playing possession-based football is actually a very defensive way of playing football, and that's what that Croatian midfield is kind of. Is like the like the rationale it gets behind is we're just going to keep the ball. We're very good at keeping the ball. We're just going to pass the ball around, and the more we have the ball, the less chances you're going to get, which means the less chances, which means the less likely is the less likely of the of the. If I could speak, that'd be unbelievable. Um, the more we have the ball, the less likely of you actually scoring, or the less likely of you actually getting a chance to score, subsequently scoring. So. It's actually a very good tactic, and it works very well for that Croatian team because of just how balanced um, their midfield is. You got Brozovic who holds, Modric who is that such cre- is that creative player. Uh, <coughs> sorry, and then you have um, and then you have um, Kovacic who is, um, and then you have Kovacic who is a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say workmanlike because Brozovic is very workmanlike, but Kovacic likes to get on the ball, carry the ball a little bit more niggly, um, a little bit more. Um, 
attackingly, uh, offensively minded a little bit, um, if you were to call them that. But um, yeah, I think their their midfield is their by far their most important part. I think of of their game, especially. Yes. Okay. Um, apologies if, if there was a quick cut. I, I I felt the coughing fit coming, so I didn't want to do it on the podcast and having to cut quickly. Um, I still am a little bit sick. I I think I've got some form of um chesting going. The tonsillitis is gone as well. So for anyone keeping track um of of my medical condition, which is good, but um. No, the um, the chest, the cough's still there, unfortunately, which is a bit annoying considering that I have to try and speak fluently for tw- for thirty five minutes a day um, without speak without stopping and doing it at somewhat of a high tempo. So, anyway, let's move on and let's go to the other game, and it was Brazil versus South Korea. Um, yeah, just if I was if I were to use a Greek word, they remissed them. Um, they just destroyed them, just so. Just brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. You can't really, you can't really put it any other way. Um, yeah, it started nice and early. Ball to the back post for Vinicius Junior, for Vinny Junior who took a touch and just scored comfortably. Six minutes later, um, yeah, six, six minutes later, Richarlison gets ahead of the defender who brings him down. Penalty. Neymar scores in the most audacious way possible. Um, and then, and then, sixteen minutes later, Richarlison. I think that was the goal, which was like that very good passing move. I think it was anyway. Um, it, was, it might have been the Paqueta goal. I don't know, but anyway, Richarlison got on the end of a pass from Thiago Silva, who scored. And then, obviously, seven minutes later, Paqueta made it four, and game set match. Um, just what more can you say, really? What more can you say? It was a it was an was it was it was an annihilation from start to finish just a pure and utter annihilation and you can't really put it any other way really you can't really put it any other way um it was something which shocked me to a little bit of an extent because um when you look at the way south korea have been operating throughout this tournament it is it is very um how do you describe it south korea are a very um robust team very disciplined team they don't really give up a lot of space and when they do they are very aggressive they are very assertive in their defensive positioning in their pressing they're very aggressive so it did shock me to a bit of an extent the way that they were able to or like just how just how easily brazil were able to just pass through and just break down south korea um i don't know if this came through a little bit of complacency or if they had Play, already played their World Cup final in the round in the last group game against um, Portugal, but we all know that they're capable because they cap- they they were capable of beating Portugal, right? So they were obviously capable of getting a result against Brazil. Of course, this was a Brazil team with Neymar back into the side, who I want to speak about um, after I speak about South Korea. But um, <coughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where styles make fights. And I've said this a lot of times on this podcast, styles make fights. That's a phrase used in combat sport. And I think it's a phrase that can be used, that can be translated directly into football. Styles make games. Styles of teams and, and, and systems and tactics of teams make a good game. They make a really good game. And um, what, what, what that means is when you have a side that is very... When you have a side that leaves a lot of space versus a side that likes to exploit space, for example, obviously this isn't relating to Brazil, South Korea, but when you when you take a side, um, I don't know if I could use it to club football, um, 
if he, I don't know, leads. Let's use leads because this is the example that always pop in, pops into my mind. And this is an, is an example when I think I've used many a times on this podcast. When you have a team like Leeds who leave a lot of space, deliberately as a defensive tactic, they leave a lot of space. And then when you verse a side like Tottenham, especially under Antonio Conte or Liverpool, where their modus operandi and their real ration, rationale is see space, exploit space, or no, see space, isolate space, exploit space, then you get for a very poor kind of way of, um, a very poor way of, or a very mismatch in terms of systems. Whereas if you look at Leeds and then you look at someone like a Chelsea who don't like to exploit space who, or who aren't as pro- pro- prolific at exploiting space, then you can be a little bit more competitive. Despite Arsenal, despite Chelsea and Tottenham potentially being on the same level playing field, the systems on both sides allow for Leeds to have a little bit of a different game in comparison when you look at Chelsea in comparison to Spurs. Very similar here. Portugal do, do play a very different way to, um, in comparison to Brazil. And that, of course, allowed South Korea to, to be a lot more um, comfortable in the game. Despite the talent discre- discrepancy between the two sides potentially not being just as... Despite not being as... Um, despite not being as um, as great, obviously Portugal do have a fantastic team, so do Brazil. Despite the talent discrepancy not being as great as potentially what the results may seem... Um, the way that both sides play football just allows for a completely different game. And this is something that you need to take into consideration when you do predict things, when you do analyse things, because Brazil are a side that um, it's kind of the, they're the kryptonite. They're the, they're the kryptonite. Of course, Brazil do like to play a very, um, a very structured game, a, a game that likes to use the use the flanks a lot, of course, with Rafinha and... Um, Rafinha and... It was Vinicius Jr., of course. Um, Rafinha and Vinny Jr. on either side. They like to use that width. Neymar, of course, playing in that number 10 role, likes to float in behind, likes to kind of be very free. Richarlison can be fluid as well, and obviously Paqueta playing alongside. Casemiro, it gives the license to Paqueta to be that a little bit more advanced. And uh, when, we look at, when we look at these Brazil team, of course, they were underwhelming against uh, they were underwhelming against um, Switzerland in their second game, and they were, and of course they lost against Cameroon. Now this is something that I flagged a couple of podcasts ago, and that was the difference between Brazil with Neymar and without Neymar is night and day, like it is night and day, and they are so heavily reliant on him to get that forward structure ticking and to get that forward structure and that forward system moving and getting it playing expansive, fluid football that. The, the heavy reliance on him could come back to bite them. If he does get another injury, if he does get suspended, we don't know what could happen to this Brazil team because we've seen, without him, underwhelming against Switzerland, they lost to Cameroon, he comes back into this side against South Korea, and they look a completely different team going forward. They were so much more fluid, they were energised, they were aggressive, they were intricate, they were doing everything right, and Neymar was the fulcrum behind that and was the key mastermind behind that. We saw in those two games where he weren't there, um, they looked. We saw in those two games when he wasn't there, Brazil looked late. They looked um, lethargic. They looked not energized. They looked not willing to take that final pass and to make that risky, risky pass and try and break through the lines. Whereas now with him, they're looking. They just got. They've got so much more freedom. They're just playing this expansive way of playing football that is that destroyed South Korea. Four goals in thirty-five minutes a year by game set match. It's um, 
yeah, it's 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 one of those things, isn't it? Where um, despite Neymar only getting one goal, and it was of course got a goal and an assist. Of course, of course, the goal came from a penalty. Um, of course, is one of those things, isn't it? Where you where you look at it and um, you have to take into consideration how you have to take into consideration not only the talent that they've got, but who are they relying on? They're relying on Neymar a lot, um, a lot. So I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means because we've seen when he's out, they look a different team. Of course, when he was out, they moved. They moved to a 4-3-3 a little bit. They moved Paqueta into the number 10 role, I'm pretty sure. Um, if I'm not mistaken, anyway. When he didn't play. Um, so, of course, in that game against Cameroon, they went with a um, they went with Rodrigo playing that number 10 role. Um, Fabinho alongside Fred holding. And then in the Switzerland game, they went with Paqueta, Fred, Casemiro as a flat midfield three. So, um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Huh? It's... Um, it's interesting to see how the dynamic shifts. Um, it's very interesting to see how the dynamic shifts between both um, between a Bra- a Neymar less Brazil and a Brazil with Neymar. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. As we tick over, as we tick just under the half an hour mark, um, I don't know what more to speak about. Um, I thought I, was, I think I've spoken spoken about both games relatively in depth enough. Um, South Korea. I mean, a very disappointing campaign. Oh, oh sorry, very disappointing game. Not campaign. Campaign, very well. Very good. They got through a group with where no one really expected them to get through. Um, they beat Portugal on the final day. They potentially should have beaten Ghana. They lost 3-2 to Ghana. They potentially should have beaten them anyway. I think that was, I think that was the game they lost 3-2. Um, yeah, they lost 3-2 to Ghana. Um, in a game which they probably could have and potentially should have won. So a very a very disappointing game, but overall I think they can hold their heads quite high and be quite proud of their performance because of what they were able to do, especially in the group stage. Um, they got four points. They beat Portugal. They um they did they did their nation proud, I'm sure, and they represented Asia, the Confederation of Asia, quite proud as well. It's just a shame how things ended, and I think Brazil are if they can keep for Neymar fit, going to be one of the most favorite. They're going to be the favorites of the tournament, no doubt. And this of course sets up a game between Brazil and. Croatia, which of course will be very tasty, very very tasty, because um, it's going to be a game where Croatia will probably be very confident. Croatia will probably be looking to dominate a lot of the ball, dominating a lot of possession, and really maintaining a lot of um, how do you call it tempo, or maintaining a lot of um, yeah, maintaining tempo, maintaining possession, being very fluid, being very calm in the way that they're playing. Um, that's obviously how Croatia will look to will look to approach the game. Um, whereas when you look at Brazil, Brazil will be looking to play a little bit more high tempo, looking to use that pace that they've got out wide, um, especially in the front line, that, that very fluid and intricate play that they've got, players that they've got that can really just change a game or turn a game on its head. That's how, that, that's the avenue that they'll be looking to, um, that's the avenue they'll be looking to exploit, um, no doubt. But, um, we'll predict that when it comes to it. Um, although... I think Brazil should get it done. I mean, I don't know when that game is. I don't know how many podcasts I've got until that game. I've only got, I've only got two. I've only got one more. Oh my god! So I can, I have a break after tomorrow. Fucking yes. Um, this is, yeah. Anyway, okay, okay. 
Spain, Morocco, Portugal, Switzerland, and then Croatia, Brazil on the 10th. Okay, I just realized that. I, I was wondering when my break was going to come because they didn't do a break for the um, round of 16 games in terms of they didn't do a break for the for the group stage into the round of 16. Um, they went just straight into it. So they're doing a break for the quarters, which is good. I can finally get a sleep in and I can not stress about this and all that good stuff. But um, 32 minutes. <sighs> Am I, am I done? Am I done? I think these podcasts are just going to be a little bit shorter, to be honest. Um, I don't. There's not really a whole lot to speak about. Of course, there was that thing going on Twitter about that whole about that stadium um, being knocked down, only used for seven games, um, and being knocked down and, and re re per re. I can't remember the word. Refurbished is that the word? Um, and being built elsewhere. I mean. I mean, if we're going to speak about the um the logistics about this Qatari World Cup, and we're going to speak about the speak about the non-footballing aspects, I think we can do a seventeen-part podcast documentary series um about that whole thing. So, I mean, I I've done my best to kind of just ignore it. I not ignore it because it's obviously very important, but to just kind of focus on the football because that's what this podcast is about. It's 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 football. It's not a po- it's not a political um. It's not a political, um, it's not a political a statement. This podcast, and despite, despite that phrase, keep politics out of football, or keep politics out of sport, which is my most hated phrase, in in the world, because if you just know a little bit about the operations of sport, you know that it is so ingrained in politics. It's unbelievable. Like in my opinion, sport and football in particular is just a sector of politics now. It's just a sector of politics, as the same is finance, the same is with health. Football and sport is a sector of politics, in my opinion. Um, people are acting like sports washing is a new thing. People forget that they literally hosted the Olympic Games in Nazi Germany. I don't know if that's going to, like, I don't know if people know that or if people just choose to forget that, but sports washing isn't a new thing, people. Sports washing isn't a new thing, let's put it that way. Um... So yeah. Anyway, slight tangent, and also um, that's also I just want to speak about. And Ronaldo, um, Ronaldo, fucking Ronnie, 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 going to Saudi Arabia apparently. Um, hopefully nothing is sort of is not, hoping hoping nothing is finalised until tomorrow. Um, no, until after the World Cup, because I really don't want to speak about club football. That's why I haven't spoken about. Um, I haven't spoken about. Um, what haven't I spoken? I haven't spoken about other things that have happened in club football because this isn't the podcast for it. This is this is the World Cup podcast. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to let's predict Morocco, Spain, Portugal, Switzerland, and I'm going to wrap up. 44, 34 minutes. Okay, Morocco, Spain, Morocco, Spain. We'll go with three, two, Spain. After extra time. And then Portugal, Switzerland. I'm going to go with... Fuck it. I'm going to go with Switzerland. I'm going to go with Portugal 1, Switzerland 2. I think Switzerland will do what they did against France, to be honest. And um, and get the job done. Although, I, I do want both Spain and Portugal to win. Because I, I, I love the elite in sport. 
I love the elite, so I want the best players playing in the best games in the most high-profile games. That's why I want the Messi versus Ronaldo uh, World Cup final. Like, I like those. I want those, but I, I think Switzerland will win. Anyway, I think we're done. Thank you all for, very much for sticking around for another episode of the Two Foot Attack podcast. Um, I hope everyone, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure you subscribe, like, share it, share it around, do all that good stuff. Um, it would mean, it would mean the world to me. If you could, um, yeah, just share it around, give it some love, give it the love it deserves. I think, um, I think it's a pretty good podcast. Um, <coughs> there you go. Make sure you follow all the socials in the links in the description on YouTube, links in the bio on Twitter and Instagram. See you guys tomorrow for the final episode um, before we have a slight break, which is um, which will be very much welcomed for my sleep schedule. But um, yes, thank you very much for watching. See you guys tomorrow. Speak soon. Goodbye.